0: Okay, guys, welcome back. Got another heater for you. Big week, Memorial Day weekend. Hope everyone's enjoying their weekend. Obviously, the co-hosts. I'm Nevin. I'm Noah. So today, um, you might have a little bit of documentary withdrawals, right? After the last dance, everyone's like, oh, my God, what's going to happen next? Lance Armstrong, this Lance documentary comes out last night. Two-part series, Sunday night. Absolute banger of an episode. No, Loved I it. No, I thought it
1: was good, too.
0: I don't even know that much about the guy. That's why I liked it so much. Yeah, no, and I was like, you know, a two-hour episode seemed pretty long, but, like, I was completely... In I looked at my phone. I'm like, time. oh, we're an hour and a half in. Yeah. This is the sickest thing. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about the match that happened yesterday, and then we also got some mailbag questions that people sent in to us after the last podcast.
1: We'll also talk maybe a little bit about the NBA coming back, because I know there was a lot of news this Yeah, we'll, we'll, that. we'll
0: discuss that a little bit, but, yeah, without further ado, um, Butter? Butter? take it ahead let's go so we're starting out the lance armstrong documentary
1: and joining us right now is chase mcqueen who's a current member of the usa triathlon team Um, he's been on project podium at asu for the last few years Um, his goal is you know go the olympic games in 2016 when i first met him he had just come off a second place finish at the usa triathlon junior championships Um, he's been traveling all over the world racing Um, his most recent race was actually a seventh place finish at the 2020 Clermont-Pathco Sprint Triathlon Pan American Cup. Um, you know, a long distance runner for Arizona track and field. He's trained in the swimming pool with Michael Phelps. And I mean, just one of the best athletes I've met. Long story short, lifetime. guy's
0: an absolute killer. He's a complete killer. He's a killer.
1: Freak athlete. And so we thought, you know, what better than to bring him in and talk about the Lance. Because we don't
0: know much about it. So, Chase, we're going to ask you some questions. Butter? Yeah, no, thanks for coming on, Chase. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me I'm-
2: stoked to be a part of this stoked uh, on what you guys are doing so yeah happy to be here
1: so first thing what do you think you know lance armstrong meant to you growing up i mean a kid doing triathlon at a young age there's probably not many people listening who know a ton of people doing triathlon i'm just wondering from someone in the sport what did you know lance armstrong biking and then he started out doing triathlon meant to you I mean to you yeah i mean
2: not not even in just triathlon, but just in the endurance sports industry in general. Like Lance Armstrong was, I mean, he's an icon uh, for a lot of sports. And me growing up, I was always a big fan of watching the Tour de France and uh, followed cycling a little bit. So Lance was a, a huge hero of mine. And uh, I can remember just hanging out in the living room, like with my family watching him. And well, I think he won like seven. Tour de France's so um, before he got caught cheating like yeah I mean he was a huge hero of mine looked up to him obviously wanted to be like him and um, and he was just a huge inspiration for people going through uh, tough times in life like whenever he had his cancer thing um, obviously he had to battle through that and then to come out on the other side and win a couple more Tour de France's and be at the top of his sport it's a, a huge inspiration story so Definitely a big hero of mine. Pretty cool to see uh, the documentary and how everything's unfolded.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I think something that these, like, you know, triathletes or long-distance runners don't get enough credit for. I mean, in my opinion, you know, I know a lot of guys in the NBA – all sorts of sports all over and chase i would say is the best athlete i've met in my well these life. guys
0: you guys like, run endurance like no one I, I can't imagine doing that like putting your body through that like just basically no body fat whatsoever training every day there's like a specific regimen you no, have to follow like,
1: i'd wake up i lived with chase actually my sophomore year but i wake up and he'd be like oh i just got back from a 40 mile bike ride And it's just like so regular. Dude doesn't have an ounce of sweat on his body. You know, it's like unbelievable. Um, But
0: Chase, you kind of touched on it in the previous question with the cheating scandal. Do you think doping is still prevalent in not only like biking, but maybe other indoor sports today?
2: Yeah, I do. So that's, I mean, that's a pretty common topic that a lot of people talk about, Um, especially at the top of the sport. Everybody's fighting for that that one percent because everybody's got everybody's got talent everybody works super hard and um yeah i mean if you can find any extra edge then you're gonna try to do it uh and i guess i mean with doping obviously people have uh boundaries that they're not willing to cross and obviously lance uh didn't have those boundaries so <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah in our sport there's definitely people that do it it's a lot it's, it's covered up obviously so you don't really know exactly who does it but we have our suspicions and uh it's just a matter of if usada and or u.s anti-doping and world anti-doping can can bring it out um but you just got to trust the trust the system and uh, remain true to your morals, and obviously, like I would never be willing to cross that edge. But some people have that whatever whatever it takes mentality, and it doesn't matter if it's ethical or not. So,
0: well, it was interesting so. to me. Yeah, it was interesting to me last night while watching this thing. You and everyone in the NBA makes a certain amount of money. Everyone in the NFL they have like a serious like sat like the lowest salary is like five hundred thousand dollars. The NBA it's like three million, basically. But what was shocking to me was when Lance was staying on the house at Lake Como and then his, like, four teammates were sharing a three-bedroom and they were, like, barely, like, making it by. I could understand why these guys would do it. Um, do you think that that's one of the reasons why they do it or is it just com- purely competitive or does it also have to deal with the money that's involved with the sport? I think it's a little bit of both. Obviously, the competition is kind of what drove Lance, I think, because he, he just couldn't kind of handle not being the best in the world. And as you guys see in the documentary, when somebody crosses him, he's going
2: to do whatever it takes to get him back. So um, if he wasn't the very best person, then, then he was going to do, do whatever he needed to do to be the best person. Uh, so, I mean, I think it's that, but also, yeah, our, any endurance sport almost, there's no, there's, no, there, there's no big money in it. So um, if you're financially stressed, you're probably going to be a little bit more prone to – going over some boundaries, and I want to say maybe early on in his career, that's what got Lance into it, because he hadn't had that success, Um, and then, yeah, once you you have the success and you go down that road, there's no going back, so it's tough.
1: Yeah, no, I know you mentioned the 1%, but... Like, how much of an advantage do you think doping, like, would actually give someone like you? Like, I know people talk about, you know, Barry Bonds with the steroids in baseball. McGuire. So, so. but I still feel like you obviously have to be freakishly talented regardless to win. But do you think, you know, doping could take someone who's, you know, ranked, you know, in the fifties in the world and all of a sudden make them like a top 10, top five guy. yeah. 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 Or do you think it's not that big of a difference?
2: No, I, I do think it's a pretty big difference. Um, I don't know if... I think you're probably going to see some people that are maybe top 30, top 40 in the world, and then next thing you know, they're kind of fight for the top spots. Uh, that's kind of the difference, I think. But, yeah, I mean, those guys at the top are already super talented, and they've probably had a little bit of success. It's just really that next... taking them to the next level of being the best of the best. Um, so, I mean, I think the biggest thing in our sport is it's not necessarily better performance. It's better you're having faster recovery. So, um, like, everything in our sport is about training really hard, being consistent,
0: having huge volume in training. And for cycling and for triathlon, if you can recover faster, then that's going to be a huge advantage because you can get back out the door and keep doing more, you know what I mean? Okay, yeah. um, I I get that, I get that.
2: Yeah. These guys would go ride – 100 miles or whatever it is and then a normal person or an average athlete would be gassed after that and have to take a few (laughs)
0: days off chase a normal person would be dead 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 after (laughs) biking 100 miles man i would not be able to bike 100 miles
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's it's cool seeing the documentary though because a lot of people i mean you guys get it because you've been around me or whatever but a lot of people just don't understand the endurance industry and they don't have a huge appreciation
1: for like Well yeah cuz you know, i mean you're watching him bike. bike you know You're watching him bike and it's like he's not going
0: super fast but he's doing that for like days on end. Well dude. then i like they talked about it last night they're like oh we're going like 60 miles per hour i forget what it's called but that amoeba shape that everyone like rides in super close and they're like they're millimeters uh-huh. apart. I'd be yeah, scared I shitless. I would too dude. I like would that would know, be like How how scary is that? If you've ever done that
2: before, Chase, like... Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely scary. You just got to be really comfortable with handling your bike. And um, those guys are so experienced. It doesn't... They don't even think twice about it. But uh, to a normal person, yeah, for sure it'd be... I mean, I'd be scared to even ride with any of those guys because they're just... They're touching each other and, like, very close. And then you're going so fast that it's pretty sketchy for sure.
0: To be honest, I think I would have an advantage in that because I would have diarrhea squirting from my pants. I'd be so scared. It'd be like kind of like a, a backdraft thing. Like no one want to get behind me. I'd have at least a couple of like extra feet, you know, but yeah, I'd be scared shitless. Um, but now like, what is your opinion yeah, like of, I know there's, work at all. <laughs> I know, uh, like obviously there's another part of the lamps, Armstrong Dark Mary next, uh, next Sunday. We kind of know what happens in the next part all the cheating scandal and everything like that. Um, but what is your opinion of Lance Armstrong today compared to when way back when, when you started the cycling and triathlon?
2: Yeah, that's tough. And I think, uh, whoever you ask, you might get some different opinions, but for me personally, I would say Lance was such a big hero of mine that I, 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 I mean, I idolized him. Like I totally loved this dude growing up. And then when all this stuff came out, I was raised where obviously um, like ethics and morals are at the forefront of everything that I do, so I was like, wow, this guy's just a total douchebag. Like, if he would, if he's willing to cheat to get the top of the sport, like, that's not somebody that I want to be uh, a fan of, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I just yeah, didn't even pay attention really at all to him, what he was doing. Um, but now that he's like, I mean, there's been so many news articles and interviews and uh documentaries, and you kind of see like he kind of regresses it a little bit, but he. He won't admit I, I guess he won't he won't admit that he regrets it, but you could tell like, yeah, I feel bad, I made a mistake, he's apologized. Um, I think he's he's suffered some pretty big consequences obviously and it's it's hurt his family, it's hurt his life. So, um, uh, I mean, I, I wanna say I'm a fan of his, but I definitely appreciate the apology and like I I enjoy watching this stuff now because it's just such a good it's just such a good story. So it's tough.
1: All right, well, dude, we appreciate you coming on. I mean, obviously, Nevin and I were a little bit out of our element with this whole cycling. Yeah, we just wanted (laughs) someone. And and I'm sitting there watching last night, and I'm like, "Holy shit!" Like, I don't live with the top dog in the triathlon (laughs) world one whole year. You know, I got to get you on the call. So
0: I really (laughs) appreciate you coming on, on Chase. Good luck in all your future endeavors, man. Really appreciate it again. And uh, yeah, man, thanks for calling in, and I'm sure we'll talk to you soon yeah thanks bro appreciate it keep up the great work guys appreciate Talks it later. thanks man all right so you just heard from chase mcqueen interview is fantastic yeah well. i learned stuff in there like i i mean obviously we're not cyclists like i run in the morning but like i'm doing like a two and a half mile max but we do want to touch on like art because from his perspective as like a triathlete and a guy that cycles and does his huge endurance races he looks at the documentary a little bit differently but we also watched it and it was kind of interesting cuz we didn't really know half the stuff. What was your biggest take from the doc?
1: Um, you know, my biggest take, you know, in contrast kind of to what Chase said because Chase, you know, I think being in that sport, you I mean, I don't know if he would be willing to say it, but I think he probably has a little bit of a hatred towards the dude. Like, probably. he probably has like, you know, he Chase has the opportunity to do this. I mean, he's got sponsorship deals, he's in contact with doctors. He could cheat, right? He could cross that boundary and all of a sudden be Michael Ferrari, man. Yeah, no, he could all of a sudden be thrusted into, like, the top guys in the world. Yeah. And he chooses not to do it. And so he probably looks at Lance and, you know, hates him. Now, for me, I kind of looked at it as Lance had the, you know, had the mind state that if he doesn't do it, he has absolutely no chance to win.
0: Yeah, I would agree. And I also think it came a little bit from his upbringing because his mom, like, let him do whatever... Like, she wanted him to do, I guess. Like, whatever he wanted, he was allowed to do it. Obviously, he had, like, a rough dad, the fraternity paddle thing, which I thought might have been a little overblown. Um, but, yeah, when they open up the documentary, and all of his former teammates are like, I cheated. Yeah, I, no, cheated. They all I cheated. I cheated. Every then. single one of them said it. And I didn't know it was that full-blown. Like, I knew, like, to be honest with you, I only know two cyclists, Lance Armstrong and Greg Lamont. And the only time I knew the other guy was about was because they made a 30-for-30 about him and how he hated cheating. No,
1: Lance is the only—I mean, the average sports fan only knows Lance Armstrong.
0: Oh, yeah, of course. That's it. Yeah, and we're not the average sports fans. that's why we know these other guys. But, like, I was just shocked about the depth and how far it goes and how everyone knew it was happening, but no one was coming out and saying it.
1: Well, dude, you got to look at the perspective from that guy who ran the international committee where he's like— we finally have, like, a star in this sport. Yeah. People are watching worldwide. People in America are people watching. People in America are watching. I know this guy's doping, but so are a ton of other people. You can't even blame that guy. He's just a smart businessman. I yeah. I think they're
0: painting him out to be, like, he's some corrupt dude. It's like, no. I don't I mean, think so. Especially when Lance, like, I knew he had the testicular cancer and everything. But to see his pictures and how skinny like near and death. how near-death. When the doctor comes on and goes, yeah. We said he had a 25% chance, but that's just to give him hope and to fight through. I don't actually think that he had a, a real good chance, especially when you find out you're in stage four already and your entire lungs are covered, your kidneys, your cough and blood. Like, that's a scary thing. And from winning it in 1996 to the next year, no one even wants to touch you. That's like a scary... You know, psych to see, like, a mentality-wise, you've been in the best, and you've grinded your entire life, and you're thinking, why me? The only way to get back up to this level is maybe to, you know, get that syringe in your ass and, you know, go ham on the, on the Tour de France and become the biggest U.S. cyclist of all time. So, yeah, I, I thought it was a cool documentary. Cannot wait for part two next week. No, part two will be sweet. Now we're going to pivot to another uh, Sunday special, the match part two, Tiger and uh, Peyton first, Phil and Brady. And I'll let you take the reins on what you first thought, your first reaction to watching the first four holes. My first reaction
1: is Tom Brady is the worst self-proclaimed eight handicap i <laughs> He ever was seen. so bad. Like, complete hack. I mean, outside of the one shot he holds on the seven. fairway. Yeah. Where, but you know if Barkley is like on the phone saying, hey, you know, if we play, I'm going to give you strokes. And Charles Barkley might have the worst golf swing of all time. The hitch is really bad. Yeah, I mean, it's really bad. But, you know, honestly, I thought it made, you know, the average weekend golfer feel pretty good about themselves. Like, Hunter was watching it with me last night. We were watching the recap and stuff after I would already seen the real thing. And he was like, dude, like, watching this, it makes me want to get back on the golf course. Because you look at Tom Brady out there hacking it away. He had the shanks for a couple holes, you know, and he's like... You know, He was he playing no fairway shame. to fairway almost. Yeah, and he had no shame in it, and I think it was great to see. I mean, that's what makes golf such an awesome game. The guys like Phil and Tiger can play with Brady and Peyton Manning, and it's still, like, fun. I mean, that's not something you can say about many other sports.
0: Yeah, like there's no way that Tiger and Phil could go out on the football field and have fun with those guys. There's no way. Could you see Tiger Woods running a go route? Like, no, no. It just have With to. those calves? It would just be stupid. And that's what—he's chicken legs. Tiger Woods in shorts kind of scared me a little bit. <laughs> have you ever
1: seen him in shorts before? No, he's only been working upper body, clearly.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, the Navy regiment, that's why his back was all screwed up for so long. My favorite thing about it was the banter between all the players. Um, Peyton Manning, if I'm ESPN, I'm pulling up the Brinks truck right now to get no, Peyton Manning on Monday Night Football. The way he goes too. back and forth... Like, Tiger is Tiger. He's kind of a weird guy. He's just so competitive about everything. He had a little bit of banter in there, like, oh, that's going to hit the fairway on hole seven, when they were, like, on hole three, when Tom Brady's just shanking it everywhere. But Peyton, in the beginning, the, lady, the girl Amanda, the sideline reporter, goes, oh, who would you want to have, or uh, who do you think Brady's caddy would be? And he goes... You know, probably Gronkowski because he does whatever Brady tells him to do. Or I'd pick, like, Nick Foles or yeah, Eli yeah. Manning. Like saying, like, he wanted just to mess with chirping, Belichick. Belichick. <laughs> like, just chirping at him. And Brady just stood there like, I had no idea what to say, you know? Um, Got to get Peyton Manning on some type of broadcast somewhere. If you're going to pay Tony Romo, how much was it, $17 million? Yeah,
1: ridiculous amount.
0: Peyton Manning's career makes Tony Romo's career look minuscule. Oh, Could yeah. you see Peyton Manning and Joe Buck? on, like, a fox. No, oh, I think it'd
1: be fantastic. Oh, my God, it'd be yeah.
0: awesome. Also, the Brady split his pants. That was a whole, like, that That was the funniest thing I thought of the entire broadcast. He, he holds it in from seven. His entire, like, microphone flies off when he's swinging. He goes out to pick his ball, and just, this is when you know Brady's not having a good day. The entire world sees his ass crack, basically. It just splits <laughs> right down the seam. Like, Tommy boy. But what do you think about the weather? Like, what what is what is with that? Uh, I mean,
1: it sucks. It was raining. I mean, anyone who's played a lot of golf knows, like, playing in rain is no yeah. fun. Especially, you know, when it's two guys who are pretty much weekend golfers trying to play with the best golfers the world has maybe ever seen. Number one on and another top TV. five guy. Yeah, like on national TV. It sucked for them. But, I mean, I just thought, you know, having everyone mic'd up and stuff, I wish that's how golf tournaments were always, to be honest you know uh, with people talking back and forth the players you know walking through their shots I mean it made it like super fun to watch um, you know and that's why I think you know all these sports coming back right now during quarantine without fans might be a little more interesting for some people I mean we already co- covered you know the UFC fight that was awesome you can hear, you know every hit <laughs> were brutal. Uh, and so I mean I thought the match was cool I mean obviously it's <laughs> awesome how much they gave
0: to charity and stuff and Dude, Tiger, like he's playing in a month and a half. I think is his first. Name. He was hitting the shit out of the ball. He had every fairway. No, he was, dude. He I mean, was he like banging it. it. Putter. Obviously, that comes with more practice. But like his fairway game, like his irons and his driver, was he was nice. Phil, I mean, he was all over the place. But I, I thought it was funny the way Phil talked to Tom. It was like almost like when you go up with it, uh, your pair and you go up meet another pair and it's a dad and his son, like an eight-year-old kid, and the son's about to lose his shit because he can't hit it like 20 yards off the tee. The dad's like, it's all right, man. It's okay. You see that lie? Go hit that lie right there. See how I'm going to... You put first, so I can get my lie. I can read the yeah, green you know, after. Really and Tom's just looking at him like I, I, you know, I have six Super Bowls, right? But yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, like, I'm he's
1: one of the, the little there.
2: more accomplished. Probably.
0: Yeah, I know. But I just thought that was funny. Um, I thought it made
1: Brady. You know, I think a lot of people have this opinion that Brady isn't really relatable. Yeah, and I think it helped him with that. I think it, especially in the him, back nine. Yeah, no, and I think it made him seem, you know, more human. He was cracking jokes. He seemed like kind of a good-ish dude to be around.
0: Because in the beginning, he looked like I texted you. He looked like a, a sociopath. Yeah. Because he was playing like shit, but he didn't want to like be a dickhead on the court because your image and the public relations. Yeah, yeah. So he was just smiling That's there. Like Jeffrey tough. Dahmer. He was like, yeah. That's I saw probably
1: him. tough. He probably wanted to freak
0: <laughs> just, out. My third drop in three holes. <laughs> like, I'm going to kill someone. But I can't say that. Charles Barkley, by the way. I want Charles Barkley to do every broadcast of all too. time. Every sport. You, could you imagine him? Doing a, a boxing broadcast it would be hilarious Being like oh these two little 5-3 <laughs> guys are really swinging out there But I could probably beat them up Like <laughs> what Charles would say Things like that But uh, if you guys enjoyed the match as much as we did Because we thoroughly enjoyed it I mean we're big, both big golf fans Yeah. And on a Sunday afternoon what's better than like kind of snoozing To watching a golf tournament you know But I love the banter um, It was awesome Hopefully they do a match part 3 which I think they're going to do yeah. I read about it today but I think we're gonna go a little into the uh, our favorite sport, little NBA talk. Yeah, so I mean, some big, a lot news, of rumors, some yeah.
1: big news, kind of ish in the NBA. I know they haven't come out with like a super official announcement, but they did come out. The NBA came out with the announcement that they're trying to make this whole thing at Disney World work.
0: Yeah, so we've been um, we've been kind of head on this because we've been saying about three podcasts back, four podcasts back, there was two sites. It was Vegas or the wide world of sports, ESPN in Orlando. In Orlando. They should just hire us at ESPN because we knew this way earlier. I'm telling you, we knew this was going to happen. If they all fly there, they have multiple courts. I think they can get the testing done the way the country's kind of opening back up. The thing is, what do you do when they – I think it's going to happen in late July – do you play some of the season, or do you go right to the playoffs? So, yeah, I mean, I've heard a couple different options. I mean, I don't know if you saw
1: the Stephen A., Max talk about, you know, Max and Jay Williams thought that they should do the seven and eight seeds should both be like single elimination a play, game. play yeah. games. But Stephen A. lost it, and rightfully so. did Stephen A. not lose? No, no, he, and rightfully so because, I mean, Max and Jay were proposing that pretty much – any team including the like bottom of the league the Atlanta Hawks everybody all they would need to do is win one game and they'd be in the playoffs
0: yeah there's more people than just them two thinking that and i would be fine with a 7 8 seed playing that playing a playing game like that maybe get the first two seeds a bye or something like that just because if you're coming back after a 3 month stretch all the chemistry in your team is gone you're not in game shape you got to give these guys a little bit of an incentive to maybe get a couple weeks to practice when the other guys are playing I'd be fine with that, um, especially when you're a 7-8 seed. I mean, in the West, you look at it, the bottom two seeds aren't nearly as good as like the rest of the 6. In the East, the same exact thing. The 8 seed, ever, 7 and up is basically already taken care of. So, yeah, on uh, my thing, I don't know if the owners – if you're an owner of, like, we'll say, what, the Kings, and you're a couple games back, and you think you had a chance to make the playoffs, and you don't even get a chance this year, do you even want the NBA to start back up? Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's I don't tough. know.
1: It's tough because, you know, at some point they're probably like, you know, I think it's a, there's a chance they end up playing like five to ten regular season games. I don't know how they're going to count toward that towards standings. I Why would the Hawks want to do that?
0: Like, why would the Hawks or the Suns want to do that? Like, Like risk risk their players.
1: I don't know. That's why I think maybe the better bet is take the current 16 teams who are in the playoffs. Just do the playoffs. I'm completely fine with that. Yeah. And leave all the other teams home.
0: Maybe do, like, a shorter series. Not in the first round, but, like, yeah, first, second round. Then you go to seven games after that. I think you can do. I mean, if you just start the playoffs in late July, it's not like I think people you aren't going to watch. You can do full seven game
1: series. I think you're going to be fine. I mean, I know they're talking about starting the next season, you know, around in Christmas December, time, which
0: would be the smart. They've been talking about this for five years. Yeah. To get as far away from the NFL as possible is the smartest thing, because obviously in October or late October, early November, when the season starts, not many people are watching the NBA. People are trying to make pushes in the playoff race in the NFL. NFL is a top dog in the sports world, in the, at least in the United States, you don't want to even compete with that. So if you start December, a couple of teams, you know, you don't want to watch Jacksonville versus freaking the Colts from the Jacksonvilleers won two games next year, you know? So you, instead you want to watch maybe Lakers-Clippers, something like that. Some with bigger stars, and you can pull some of those viewerships away from the NFL. I think if you do that, baseball is in trouble. Because when it goes into late I July, I think baseball's already in trouble. But that would make it worse. They're blowing it, it right now. Yeah. They're literally blowing it. You guys got to come up with a deal because that is one of the probably the sport. Everyone's already far away on the field as it is. The fans exactly. don't even. You know what I mean? The like fans the fans, fans don't, don't even matter. go. The fans don't go to the postseason. Yeah. You look at a Marlins game. Me, you, and a bucket of popcorn is about half their freaking fans. <laughs> so I don't understand why. They wouldn't like, just try as hard as possible to get... They'll let you bring like your dogs in there. <laughs> <It's a> dog <laughs> night. Which I would love to go to a dog night. That'd be fun. But uh, yeah, that's what we think on the NBA. I do want to go in. Shout out to the mailbag. We opened it up last week. We got, got a, a few questions. Got a few cool questions. Um, we'll start with number one. With all the different sports documentaries coming out, which one are you looking forward to the most? We already talked about the Lance. Um, and then what do you hope it goes into?
1: So, Tiger Slam, it came out last night on Golf Channel, didn't it?
0: I, I think so, yeah.
1: It did. I have not seen it yet. Now, the Lance documentary, I want to answer it with that because I already saw the first episode and loved it so much. But if the Tiger Slam documentary is done well as a golfer, yeah. I think that could be awesome. It's I'm be awesome, worried yeah. it's not going to be done that well because it's the Golf Channel.
0: Well, anyway. yeah, that's the thing. But I mean, if
1: it was like an ESPN like big a 30 documentary on Tiger Woods, it? Oh. it would be badass.
0: Yeah. Also, when you're doing the Tiger Slam, I wonder how much Tiger's input is in on that documentary. Like, The Last Dance, people were freaking out. Um, Obviously, Michael Jordan had to okay it, so he had to okay the final product.
1: It was a little bit of a Jordan Puff piece. I'm not going to lie. It was. It was angled. We didn't talk about this on The Last Documentary because, honestly, I have only great things to say about The Last Dance. But... As somebody who was never really a fan of Michael Jordan, especially if you were alive in the eighties and nineties, and you were a fan of like a team who was against him, yeah. and you disliked Michael Jordan, which there's a lot of people like that. Oh yeah, um, I could see how you could watch that and be like, "Look, this is a Jordan puff piece. Everything great
0: about it's Jordan. a Jordan circle piece. There was piece. very
1: few negatives, really. About oh him yeah, in general.
0: oh yeah. So that's like the only thing on how to do with the Tiger Slam." But I don't know about you. I like documentaries, like especially this Lance Armstrong one, which I don't know anything about the topic going in. So the Bruce Lee one, like I know who Bruce Lee is, but I don't even understand like no, yeah. what his career was like. I know he died early, but I'm really stoked for that one, um, especially because McGregor loves Bruce Lee. <laughs> be water, be water, baby. Um, second question. As sports slowly return, what do you think the impact of having no fans will be on home advantage teams or teams that have a huge 12th man slash six man backing? Who do you think has the most diehard fans? Two-part question.
1: Okay, first off, the first part of the question, I think realistically this is going to sound bad. I think the second that arenas are able to open to the public again, they are going to be full again. Oh, yeah. I No doubt. Dude, I mean like, you know... I was in Phoenix this weekend, like out at Old Town. People are out. I didn't even go out, but I'm looking around, and these bars are packed. I just don't think that many people care anymore, and it's pretty sad. I mean, we're work—I'm working still at least. Yeah. it's Wearing a mask at work and stuff, but all the customers who come in, none of them are. And I think, you know, if there was an NBA playoff series in Phoenix right now—
0: it would be sold out. It
1: would be packed. If
0: they would like to be sold out. I think— They probably wouldn't. In baseball— Home, home field doesn't matter till the postseason, so I'm not worried about that. Basketball-wise, it will be a little weird. Um, some teams do feed off the energy a little bit more, and you're just going to be more of a who-has-more-talent thing than home court. But I still think that like the teams that are supposed to win usually win. So I don't think that home court has – like it's not like a college football game yeah. where you have a tremendous advantage or even like a college basketball game where you go to Cameron Indoor, McHale – not, not probably Pavilion anymore, but, you know, these different places where the fans are rabid because they're just a bunch of college kids. I think it's a lot different than that. But who do you think has the uh, most... The most diehard fan. And if you say the Utah Jazz right I'm not now... I'm going to... Okay, no okay. Because I was going to be like, oh my I'm God. I'm
1: going to my other squad, though. The Seahawks? I think since the Seattle Supersonics left Seattle, yeah. the Seahawks games and the Seahawks fan base I agree in Seattle that. is probably the most diehard. In the NFL. Place. And the people will get it messed up. Like, we didn't have a massive fan base during the bad years. People think there's, I mean, there are a lot of Seahawks bandwagon fans, but I was at CenturyLink when Matt, ha- or it was called uh, Quest Field back then. Yeah. The same place. When Matt Hasselback was out there, well after our little Sean Alexander. Run. No, I mean, after that, like when we had, you know, oh, you guys were terrible. a bunch of bums yeah. out there. In the game. I mean, every game was still sold out, packed. I think Seattle, the twelfth man. I mean, we t- the twelfth man was in the question. That is the twelfth man. Yeah, it is the twelfth man. That's I think answer. there's two
0: stadiums in the NFL at uh, Century Link because Century Link is so cool built. It kind of funnels the sound the down. Yep. and it's really high on the side. Like I love watching games there because especially like a Monday Night Football game when they have the decibel thing going on, yep. That and Arrowhead in Kansas City. I, agree I think those too. are the, the two big ones in the NFL. NBA is kind of weird. If you even mention Los Angeles, I would not even no, not no, even like take you seriously not, whatsoever. No. I think the smaller market teams, like Milwaukee's fans get after and, it. I mean, Utah, Utah gets yeah. after it. Boston fans are just a bunch of drunk guys who like throwing beer at people, yeah. so the I'm about The thing about, about
1: that. L.A., and I'm not going to – I mean, obviously L.A. has a massive fan base, but a lot of them, I would almost say the majority, are very casual Laker fans who Simply feel like they're fitting into a social construct by wearing a Lakers jersey around. Probably. I don't think – I think if you go to Staples, most of the people there might have quite a bit of money and don't know the first thing about basketball. Yeah, you I would say I
0: mean? Oklahoma City fans get after it. Yeah. I just like the Milwaukee fan. Like I like the smaller market teams really, really get after it. There's also fans like in Philadelphia – who just hate the oh, other crazy. team. Like, yeah. they just don't like them. Um, but, yeah, I think that answers that question. I would say
1: Philadelphia is one for both sports. I mean, both oh, they, the Eagles yeah.
0: and six Sixers. Pittsburgh? Yeah. Pittsburgh gets after it. Yeah. Like, I guess Pennsylvania just loves their <laughs> sports. But uh, the third question. I, this is my favorite question out of all of because we're going to have probably way different answers. If you had the chance to watch any single sporting event in history, what would it be? And you can go back in time. The anonymous writer put Jesse Owens winning gold medals in thirty six. That's a huge moment, obviously, and I think it was in Germany. Huge. I mean, the Nazi party was about to take over. But what would yours be? I have two. I kind of cheated. All right, you go first. You, me go first? Okay. So first, um, I had to do an Ali fight. Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, fight of the century in Madison Square Garden, 15-round heavyweight bout. People were crazy about this fight. It was the second one. They had a trilogy. The other one was the uh, Thrill in Manila but this one was awesome. Joe Frazier barely beats Ali. They're both in their prime. Great, great fight. I would have to go see it. I just wanted to go see an Ali fight. The second one, this is off the beaten path a little bit. <laughs> and people are going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? 2012 UEFA Cup semi-final. Oh, Barcelona God. against Chelsea in the Camp Nou, which holds over like 120,000 people. Ch- I know this game by heart. I did not write anything down about this game. When I witnessed this game, I was jumping up and down on my couch at home. The second leg, Messi's on this team, is probably the, one of the best teams of all time Barcelona's ever had. Chelsea goes down to 10 men because John Terry gives Alexi Sanchez. If you don't know who that is, just look up Chilean baby. We don't, we and don't no, that. no, you people do. International <laughs> listeners do. Look up Chilean Pussy or Baby, and it'll come first thing comes up. Alexi Sanchez. Knees him in the back. He gets sent off. We're on the ropes the entire game. My boy Fernando Torres bolts it at the end, one-on-one with the keeper. The, the announcer's going, Torres! Fernando Torres! I'm freaking out. I'm jumping up and down on my couch, and he drops. He goes past the keeper, drops the goal. I would have lost my shit if I was there. I would have probably got jumped in Barcelona that night for wearing on my Chelsea gear. I don't care. That's the other moment I want to be, to. Top it.
1: All right. Uh, my first one. I'll go two, two. Okay. My first one, I would say 21-year-old Tiger Woods, 1997, wins the Masters. I think like being there at the Masters of Augusta, cool. Tiger's 21, like really the first African-American person to play that course. I mean
0: African-American people weren't really When the guy say like chicken – he was like fried chicken, that one guy? Yeah, no, golfer. I mean there was
1: a bunch of racial stuff going on. But yeah. I mean, past that, I just think seeing like the beginning of Tiger's rise, you know, as some, I mean it's completely unheard of now that a 21-year-old kid – is winning the Masters. Uh, is, is that the one where right? he like
0: double fist pumps? Yeah, with yeah. the? Oh, dude, that's such yeah, a Yeah, I mean, sick that's moment. like the
1: first like tiger in red tiger moment, moment you remember. To
0: the world, yeah. So I
1: think that would have been awesome. And I've never been to Augustine. That's always been a dream of mine. So yeah, I feel cool like that would have been like the spot to do it. Yeah, very cool um, place. Next, coming from an Arizona fan, I would have liked to be at the 1997 championship game. Yeah. You know, uh against Kentucky, obviously. Arizona wins a national championship. We've been trying to get back there since. Can't physically do
0: it. Can't do it. I so, wish we had a time travel machine though. Because oh, I would go sure, and that's just like awesome. Yeah. Oh my god. But
1: those are my two. I mean, the Arizona one obviously isn't like super some super memorable thing outside of for Arizona fans. Yeah, yeah, but, but
0: like they're not other people's. It's yours. So right, I respect exactly, it. I respect exactly. it. And the uh the last question Best and worst jerseys in the history of the NBA. So this one's going to ruffle some feathers, I think. Because how many do you have for worst? I got a couple. I got a couple, too. Do you want to go your one, my one? Yeah, you go. So my first one is the Toronto Raptors jerseys. With the Raptors With on the Raptor on it. On you don't it. like them. I think they're so cartoony and hideous. <laughs> I just don't like them. Like, what does a Raptor ever have to do with Toronto they find like Uh, raptor bones up there i I don't know but i think those jerseys are kind of dope so yeah what i'm saying they split they split uh you know opinion on that what's your number one
1: i would say one of mine is the red old pistons jersey oh i know you would see like grant hill in you know like during the grant hill years in detroit yeah I just don't like that color of red to be honest. And like just the riding and the little like what is it? It's like some sort of little horse they got coming off The piston. It. Yeah. Well I don't that, know. Is that I a
0: piston? I don't know. I thought a piston was on a car. I didn't think a piston was a horse. If they are so, like the thoroughbreds or and, and now,
1: I mean, honestly, modern day pistons jerseys suck.
0: They're not it. that great, yeah. So, no. Um, number two. I have the T wolves jerseys when Garnett was there. Not the black ones, because the black ones are cool. But like the blue ones with the weird etching on the side and like the T-wolves across and they had the weird lettering, I don't like those. Even though Garnett was a baller, I just don't like those. Who do you have at number two?
1: Um, Look, man, I'm looking right now. I I don't really have a second one, to be honest. I mean... How about the
0: new Hawks jerseys?
1: The new Hawks? Oh, so we're talking new and old.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I went like... Because I know they said or at least the 90s in the mailbag question, but I... I looked in I like a lot of nineties jerseys. Here's
1: something I have to say. I've always thought the Spurs jerseys, I get they're classic. Yeah,
2: they're I've never great. liked them. They're not great. Like you
0: I don't like the colorway. You can't just do
1: grey and white for like your entire time. Like, I mean, and it's boring. They're so like
0: sucks. Do you like the Brooklyn Nets jerseys?
1: I kinda do like I don't those, like though. those, dude. I kinda I don't like do. black jerseys. I think they're kinda clean. It's like Jay Z owns the team. If Jay Z owns the team, that's the jersey. Not anymore. You're I think he sold that.
0: his partnership. Okay. In it. But The new Hawks jerseys though Those things are ugly Yeah no. It looks like are. Gucci print They are Like they yeah, try yeah. to be like Too Atlanta or yeah. something I don't know Yeah I also have the The new Memphis Grizzly jerseys The blue and the yellow Like uh-huh. the grindhouse jerseys Now one
1: of my favorite new
0: Old jerseys Was the those, Grizzlies Is that Grizzlies The Vancouver jersey. Grizz jerseys yeah. Yeah. Those were sick The baby blue And the red the, etching The around teal the thing And the bears coming over yeah. That was hard um, But we'll go to best jerseys now Okay uh, do you want to go with your first one? Because I think I know that, it's going to be. That's
1: my first one. And then also, obviously, I think the Mountain Jazz. Jokes, <laughs> so I, I
0: didn't put it in my list because I knew. you know you like them. I do though. like them.
1: They're fire. They're, I do. Uh, I think, you know, the jazz, I get. We took the idea from, you know, New Orleans with the jazz. Our name makes no sense. It doesn't. But a, but lot, a lot of names I, don't make I'm sense. I'm upset they went away from like – I mean the whole Mountain thing – is what is Utah about it? And now they just got the dumb music note. I do like the sunset I like the, unis. I like the music note too, but like I, I appreciated them bringing that purple one back. Wait,
0: do you don't think the Mormons like jazz that much?
1: Nobody's <laughs> listening to
2: jazz. Unless bro. you're in New Orleans. Right. Unless you're in the exactly. French Quarter.
0: Um, I, my number one, or my top two were the 90s Suns jersey. The purple okay. ones uh, with the, right. the sun coming across, the yeah. star.
1: Way better than their current jersey. Oh
0: my... The it's new ones. Like why don't they just bring those back? I don't know. Those are so... Like the Charles Barkley era and Kevin Johnson. The second one I had was the Rainbow Nuggets jerseys. Yeah. Those are those the are hardest... Those, those might those be the fire hardest fire uniforms of all time. I don't know about that. But yeah, they're, they're hard. They're fire, though. They're fire. Yeah. yeah. I also had the Bulls jersey on there. The classic Bulls. <laughs> and I also <laughs> yeah. had the Celtics because I had to mention my team and I love the green and white. Little Celtics variation. the
1: same as the Spurs. The, they're
0: way better. The green but with like, the white trim... Is so when Jason Tatum is dropping buckets on you in the green and white trim, you might as well it's pack iconic. up your bags. It's
1: iconic. For
0: but sure. uh, I think that's the rest of the mailbag questions we have. If you do want to send any mailbag questions, it's Podcast at gmail.com. Once again, dubsonlypodcast at gmail.com. Do you have anything else to say about? The mailbag? Mail I, I don't.
1: I mean, we're happy we got some mailbag questions this week. Yeah, uh, This is a segment we want to keep doing in the future because, you know, it allows our fans to be a little more interactive with it.
0: Of course. Um, do want to appreciate Chase getting on the interview with us today. Uh, awesome guy. Little insight on a lifestyle we don't really know about. Next week, obviously, we'll be back Monday. Butter, do you have anything else to say to the listeners? No. We hope El Prez is listening, though. El Prez. Yes. Give us a listen. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week.